Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. All right, here we go. We have launched the boats from the dock. <laughs> We're floating out into the lake. We're about to just crank open those gigantic engines to just shoot this thing to the moon. So I can't wait to introduce everyone here to my favorite, new favorite guest. <laughs> he is a marketing strategist, a thought leader, entrepreneur, a writer, a speaker, certified Facebook ads expert. We may have to pick his brain on that. Yeah. Creator of Launch Perfect, CEO of Stack Digital, Sterling Gardner. Welcome to the show, sir. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. That was a heck of an introduction. Heck yeah. You know what you could do? You clip that thing and you make it like your wake-up alarm clock in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great yeah. idea. Until the missus is like, <laughs> don't wake me up like, in the morning. It just feels like, you're not that great. You're not that great. You're not that important. <laughs> Back to bed. <laughs> so out. good. Well, what I want to do here is start the show the way we start every show. And it's not even by asking a question. It's actually by passing you this thing. It's kind of heavy. Okay. Ugh. Here we go. All right. You got it. You grab that. This is That's Thor's it. hammer. You got it? Okay. There, there you go. All right. Take Thor's hammer and smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Set the record straight once and for all. I am going to call out in a huge way in this in it. And I feel like this is just turning the corner. We're at the very beginning of this corner turn. It has forever been pounded into every marketer's head that you should only ever explain to somebody what they need, but not how they do it. So there's this whole thing, especially on webinars or any kind of quote unquote teaching scenario where they say, you need this because of this, you need this because of this, you need this because of this. They'll even tell you why you need it, but they will very rarely, if ever, tell you the how because they want you to quote unquote purchase the how. Like that's been the conventional wisdom forever. And people will say, well, what? I don't understand. Like, of course you want, don't want to share the how because that what, then what else are they buying? Right. Well, I'm going to tell you what they're going to buy. They're going to buy closer access to you as the expert. Number one, they're going to buy all of the information that you've laid out for the what and the, and the why um, curated and aggregated so that it's extremely efficient for you to consume. And then that you're on, uh, if you have calls with them or frequently asked questions, that you can just give them an answer bank. So I think that it's all part of the movement towards, you know, and I could go on a rant about this, but. Rant away, man. You well, got Thor's hammer. Just giant, take that smash, big, smash. There's a big giant thing about everybody's got to be transparent, transparent, transparent. And I agree with that. There's a rabbit hole I could go down about what I call fake transparency, which is where people are only telling you what the good stuff is. Um, that's probably for another episode. But I just feel like people want answers fast. And if you can provide that what, excuse me, the how, and all the answers they need, they're just not possibly, one out of a hundred of those people are going to actually be able to take what you taught very quickly and implement that. They want the additional help. They're paying for the additional help. So um, I know there's a guy named Alex Har Harmozy. I don't know if 
people listening have heard of him, but he literally, you can go to his website and get, I don't know how many, probably 40 different courses for free because he just wants people to have the free information. It also is a massive, uh, massive dose of goodwill so that when they do need help later, you're the go-to guy. Alex is the go-to guy. I'm the go-to guy for ads or for five-day challenges, and you're the go-to guy for whatever the case may be. So, um, I mean, also we see it on YouTube every day, right? People are just putting out there the how. People, influencers are teaching you how to do Instagram or TikTok or whatever the case may be. People will always buy from you because you've given all that value up front. People don't have time to be, I don't want to say jerked around because I don't necessarily think it's always a bad intention of jerking someone around, but they just want, they want the answer and they want it fast. And if they feel value, then they're going to reach out to you. Right. It's like the whole idea of execution. You know, it's like sometimes people with startups, like, oh, I have a startup. W- what is it? Oh, sign this NDA first, yeah. right? And it's like, dude, ideas are worth. I, I invented Uber, by the way. I don't know if you know this, but I, <laughs> yeah, a buddy of mine and I were like, hey, we should make an app on your phone that calls a taxi. It was like, yeah, that'd be cool. Then we were like, what should we call it? We got stuck on that question. What should we call? It? I don't know. And so we just dropped it. Right. Years yeah. later, this Uber. Fantastic, but it was all about the execution. We don't get credit. I'm not. I'm not the founder of Uber, you know. So it's like it. It took execution. So you know, you could tell me how to do it. Oh yeah, you go go get some C sharp programming. Do X Y and Z. It's like, man, am I going to execute that? Unlike probably not. <laughs> yeah, right? probably not. Right? Yeah, and it's a great way to to weed out the people who are going to execute versus not. So the people that reach out, they're ready to execute, right? So why would you waste your time on a phone call if you're selling by, you know, by uh, by phone, or they're not going to come into your webinar? Um, it's just a great sorter and sifter, and it gets everybody to where they want to go faster. You as the person uh, coaching, and the people that are you know looking for that coaching. So it just eliminates a big, eliminates a massive step. Yeah, I totally agree with that, man. That makes total sense. Get rid of that friction. Let let everything go faster. Can you do too much how, though? Can we do... I would say that... that, Or no? uh, In theory, I would say no. It's a great idea to share all the how. However, I would break it down into very simple chunks because people don't want to be fire-hosed with information. They want very specific short digestible pieces of information that lead them to a logical conclusion of, oh crap, this guy knows what he's talking about. That made sense. I do a lot of, um, I help people with five day challenges. And if you're listening and don't know what those are, basically put a whole bunch of people that are interested, that have a, a common problem that you can solve into a temporary Facebook group. You go live over the course of five days, teaching them a little, a little something each of the five days. Then you say, Hey, if you want to work with me, this is what it looks like. Keep the card open for four or five days and then you close the part. So I tell people that in that instance, even though you're giving um, you know, one short digestible tutorial or how-to on each day, you want them to have an aha, uh-huh, you want them to have that dopamine hit of like, oh God, yeah, of course. Um, and a lot of times it can be so simple that I already knew that, but I hadn't heard it quite like that. And now it makes sense in the context of what I'm trying to do. So it's just yeah. uh, 
Simplification. Simplification. It's specificity. Right. Being very clear and not needing to, you don't need to vomit a bunch of stuff over them. Just give them some great nuggets, some tidbits, and let them digest that. Uh, yeah, I call, it, I call it the curse of the genius because we all want to share how much we know. Right. And then we start oversharing. And this is what I tell people. I say, um, I'm sure you've heard this as a marketer as well. You know, it's in great, if you have an ounce of ethics, I feel like if you haven't heard, you got to over-deliver, you got to over-deliver, you got to over-deliver, which I completely believe in. However, yeah. people equate over-delivering with over-teaching and over-sharing. And that's the fastest way to get people to disengage. So save the over-delivering for when they're for when they're in your program. When you're mm. teaching them outside the program, just give them short, digestible, to use your word, gold nuggets. And they're like, okay. oh, I trust this guy enough. He's taught me enough. Get in the program. And then they go, holy crap, I didn't expect this, 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 and this. Um, but if you try to if you try to unload all that before they get in. It's just, it's too overwhelming. Got it. Got it. So there, there is a nice balance you need to find where, and again, get points of value to them signing. If you sign there, the buffet is here. Like, Hey, we'll get yeah. you a nice lunch. You get your breakfast, you know, some eggs and some bacon. Okay, cool. But when you sign, now you get that banquet meal, you know? So there, there is more to it. Um, but Hey, we're going to feed, you're going to be full. You're going to be totally full, but there's more food coming down the line. If you, yeah, give them the white glove service inside. Yep. With, all the, with the dessert room and the yeah, the dessert room. Let's and go. All that. Um, but up front, it's just like think of it like um, man, this is a really random example that just came to mind. But when uh, different caterers are trying to sell you on their wedding food, yes, yes, they will usually bring you three or four of their absolute best things. You don't need to eat everything that you're going to have on the menu to decide whether or not that's the best caterer for you. Right. That's a really good analogy that I'm going to use moving forward that I've never thought of until now. Give them some of your best stuff simply so that they can go, oh my God, I can't imagine what else this person can do. Yes. Right. Man, that was perfectly cooked steak. I can't wait, you know. And now I'm hungry. Right. The desserts to die for. Not that you're going to be able to eat dessert at your own wedding, but right, yeah, maybe you can sneak it in there. We uh, had such a good time. We forgot to cut our cake, which is bananas when we think. No cutting. Did you have an yeah. MC? You have somebody kind of guiding it along? No, we just did a casual thing. We rented a converted horse farm. Oh wow, beautiful. So, and we wanted it to specifically be more of a hang because nobody wants to sit at that table where you don't know four of the other people at the table. So you're like, hey, let's come chill and hang and we'll have some food and stuff. And forgot the damn cake. Wow. Well, that means there was plenty of it later, yes. I guess. Yes. yes. <laughs> we brought it did, home and promptly ate it all. You didn't do the whole freeze it thing? I think you we heard of that. Yeah. Did we freeze it? I can't remember. We're I'm we're big cake people, so we probably didn't wait a year to eat that. <laughs> yeah, for people listening, there's like a tradition, especially in other countries. Like, what are they talking about? There's this tradition where you save like a slice of it. Actually, it's the top. You save the cake topper, the small bit. Um, you save it. You freeze it. 
and apparently cake will just hang out for a year if you freeze it and then we we tried it we tried eating it the next next year and it was okay it was frozen stale cake <laughs> it was it, most of it was buttercream anyway so it was mm. that that lasted uh <laughs> i didn't even get on this but it, it, you're it. sampling the wares right you're saying yeah 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 the vendor what they've got and you know i think what a lot of people do to to go with your analogy is they're they're just giving a little bit of food right they're or they're getting not even the best dishes they have they're trying to win your wedding business they're trying to win your catering deal by giving you a bunch of the of the not good stuff like that you know fruit or meat bar that you're going to skip because it's all these little things that you know yeah i don't need like a thousand different cheeses i'm gonna go right for that prime rib or over there so they kind of give you all this noise too much of or not enough of even of just low quality stuff well or they just tell you um this is the reason that you need really good food oh right because people are going to show up and they're going to expect it and they're going to expect that you're going to invest in food and think about it they sat through your wedding the least you could do is give them food and they're going to order it we have this that and the other thing and it's going to be amazing but if you haven't sampled the wares, you're never going to buy from that person. No, no. Yeah, food is one of those one of those things where you, you got to try it, right? Yeah. Like you you can trust people. I mean, we even order shoes so that we can got to try things on, you know. Yeah. Um. So your customers need to car. try it. Yeah. Test drive a car. Same thing. Yeah. So, man, it's not about well, the why. On that point. Give them your best stuff. Like just give them three to four to five nuggets of your absolute best stuff. Also to your point, like, yeah, there's going to be people that might show up and just like, I'm just, I'm just here for the free samples of the catering food. That's fine. There's always going to be that percentage of people in your audience and your, in your circle um, of prospects, but 97% of the people are there to learn something and, and have you, here's the thing that I would like to reframe for people. Yeah. People that raise their hand and show up and say, I'm potentially interested in what you have to offer, want to work with you. You don't have to convince them or hard sell them. They're there. They want to be on your team. They're literally looking for the green flag of like, oh, this guy shared this. Oh, I like this guy. He's super likable. Oh, he's super knowledgeable. And he shared this. Like, they're there ready to purchase. They're waiting for you to give yeah. them a reason not to purchase. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So give them what for they came here for. Yeah, it's a great point, right? Because there's so, even if you take it to the digital side, yeah, you know, the equivalent of somebody who raises their hand and shows up physically shows up in person. <laughs> we almost don't even have the digital equivalent in, in like a legion. It, it's not even showing up for a sales call. It's like literally showing up at your office for a sales yeah. call. Like you, you can't get much more qualified than that. Yeah. Pick me, pick me. Yeah. I remember I was and I live in LA. I know we'll get into this later. You said we would. I was an actor for a long time and a, a huge paradigm focus shift for me. For those of you that don't know, you go on auditions. You very, very rarely meet the director or producer. The first time there's somebody called a casting director. They're the one that call you in. They kind of do the pre-screening. As a young actor, you're super nervous and you're going in there and, oh my God, I hope they like me. I hope they like me. And the thing that changed everything for me was a casting director that was like, 
we're on your team. We called you in because you looked like a possibility and we want you to do well. So remove the nervousness and recognize that we're on your team to take you to the next level, not to decide that you're terrible. And I was like, I mean, literally I kind of scrambled my brain that like yeah. this person sitting across from me wants to do well. I don't have to show off. Like they're, they're here to guide me. And I'm like, oh my God, take that into everything that you do, right? Somebody shows wow. up, they want to work with you. They want to take the next steps with you. Make Actually easy. on your side. They're on your side. They, they will, they, their job is to find somebody. Hopefully yeah. it's you. You're helping so they can them stop out. Looking. Yeah. yeah. You're helping them out. Yeah. It reminds me, I think there was that interview with, um, gosh, all the names are just going to evade me, but you can help me out. Who is that hateful eight director? Um, um, could Tarantino Django. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So, the when they did the um inglorious bastards they were trying to find a nazi general who could like read who could speak in french who could speak in german and speak in something in something else and um i don't know if you've seen it but there was this whole documentary on how they they were looking for this guy and, and quentin even said he was about a week away from just not doing it he was going to just sell the script and not oh, wow. do it because they couldn't find that one character until they met um christopher something oh waltz waltz yeah waltz yeah yeah they they saw him there's like aha this is him so i just imagine to your story like the casting director being like oh thank goodness we finally found they're, they're actually looking for the person as opposed to you know it, you're right it's that it's shifted the mindset to say no they they want to actually find this thing they want to help you yeah yeah they want to help you so good man well dude I know we got some moves coming up. Are you getting back to events? Are, is is marketing getting back to events? Are we doing this now? Is COVID I, done? What are we doing? What are you seeing? I know people are craving events. I know a hand people, handful of personal friends that have. I have completely by chance two really good friends hosting a marketing retreat in Asheville right now. They don't even live in Asheville. What? I went to see them a couple of days ago. Um, so yeah, I think. I think they're back. I think, you know, you're not going to convince my wife who's still, you know, COVID paranoia to go to a live event, but I'm, I'm dying for just, <laughs> just to see somebody in person, right? Conversation that's not on zoom. Right. Uh, so I feel like it's starting to crack wide open. I don't think it's near anything before the pandemic, but yeah, I'm starting to see a lot of, I got invited. I got, an email right before I came onto the show, I opened up and a buddy of mine's like, Hey, come on out to my place in Seattle. We're doing this thing. And I'm like, ah, I want to go. I want to go. So yeah. Do you think, ever get, do you ever get it? Do you ever get COVID? Knock on wood. Not yet, man. Not yet. No. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, all those vaccines did their job. Um, I got it from an event a couple, couple weeks ago, a couple well, month ago, month ago, probably um, at least, I don't know. Time flies, but, not so bad, not so bad. Um, and I don't think it's because it just isn't bad. Maybe it was for me, but probably I did all the things, you know, got all the all the shots yeah, and yeah. all that. And me too. It it was it was it was fun. It, yeah, it was it was one day of being lazy on the couch, you know, getting the side eye from the missus. What what's going on here? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just gonna lay here. And the other, you know, and the other times it's like, let's get work done on the laptop. So yeah. I, I feel like it, it's almost like it's cycling through now and. You know, even schools are getting back out of the masks and everything. So hopefully that means we can 
we could do that, right? It sounds like we got a you know marketing retreat in Asheville. So conferences are starting to happen. There's something about in-person events you really can't. I love them, man. I, there's nothing better to me than a smaller event. Like like these women, they rented a house, like a big house that sleeps like 15 or 16. I think they she said they got we got 14 people. We're hanging out the night before. We're deep diving on Wednesday and today. And then this evening, they're going to go do something fun and go home. So all the ones that I've been on that are that small. I mean, I like the larger events too, but they're, it's hard to get personal with people. I've okay. got, I'm, I'm still really good friends with people that I went to these retreat type events four or five years ago. Like yeah. that, those, that bonding is more important a lot of times than what you're actually there to learn. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes, sometimes it's that whole night celebration in the lounge after the yeah. last presentation's over yeah. where you really connect with people and, and you see each other the next day, you're probably a little dehydrated and you're like, yeah, you and me, man, <laughs> we, we stuck it out till two, nobody else. Yeah. Uh, and, and I, I started a business with one guy that I met at a retreat like that. So how cool is, yeah. Cause you get to know the people, not just the, what, not just what they do, but you get to know the people. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and oftentimes, sometimes the presentations are not always up to speed. If they are great, if they're not, that's what the people are there for. You know, that's, I think that's the trouble with virtual events is that it puts all the onus on the actual presentation. And if it's not, yeah. you know, Simon Sinek standing up there with a British accent, then you better have something to present because there's nothing else. There's no getting coffee and connecting with someone and, you know, doing business in the hallway. It's just literally you staring at your, again, your same zoom screen over and over again, wondering what's up. Yep. Well, and the other pick to circle back a lot of the times yeah. presentations, well, there's two problems. A lot of times they're given a very strict time limit, which is understandable. But the other thing is they're teaching you the what, not the how. So you're like, you could be watching something and it's like, you know, uh, they'll say it's, you know, how to increase your following on Instagram. I don't know why I came up with that example. And then they just tell you like eight reasons why you should and to reach out to them if you want to learn, learn more. Mm. You haven't even taught in the first place. That they is should, the worst. They, for, they should say, if you want to learn. I mean, I've gone to, and I like the event because of the people, but I've gone to traffic and conversions and I'm like, I haven't, I've, I've seen a volume of information. I haven't really learned anything that I can take home and execute on. Right. That's not right. a slam to traffic conversions. It's just how, <laughs> stuff, it's how stuff's been done. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's all a part of it. How about books? You know, have you been been slamming some marketing or business books or anything lately? Man, I, I keep wanting to tell people about this. There's a there's a new app called Headway. Okay. Are you familiar with Headway? No. Dude, every type of nonfiction book told in five minutes or less. <laughs> like it's all the bullet points running down and it's got a ton of stuff in it, man. I'm, I'm literally open it. If you can't see me, it's everything from mastering the money game, the sleep solution, thinking grow rich, 13 things mentally strong people don't do. Uh, it's it's an endless library of really really cool stuff segmented by whatever topics that you want. Headway. All right. Well, wealth, success, dude. I was so into it when I got it. Um, I immediately went 
reached out to them and said, do you guys have an affiliate thing? Cause I'm going to be talking this up like crazy. I mean, every, every book you can imagine is on here. And, and what's also cool is if you're not in a space where you can have it playing and read to you, it, it, the text pops up so you can just flip and read. You can read a, I shouldn't say read a whole book, but you can digest the, you can digest the main points you need in a very short amount of time because I know it's the standard structure of a book, but a lot of times you don't want to read the entire person's story of how they got there. Right. Want to, you know, what's, what are the guts of this thing? Yeah. Get to it, man. Right. Dude, I was a quick notes guy in high school anyway. I don't even know if quick notes still exist, but I'm like, give me the, give me the meat. Right. I see. I was a watch a watch the movie guy. (laughs) That's good. That's good. (laughs) And praying the ending's the same when you have to do a book report on it. Yeah. Roll the dice. You know, like my my favorite moment too was when I had to read Doctor Zhivago, and even my mom was like, "Yeah, let's go get the video." (laughs) And we watched it together. It was what favorite moment for me, where it's like I'm I'm like breaking the law with the school, and my mom's helping me do it. You know, it was a good movie. This was, I think I was a freshman in high school and we were supposed to do a book report on the book of our choice. It was either spring break or Christmas. And we had to come back and it was like the first book report. Okay. You'd ever have to stand at the front of the class. People are like freaking out and talking in homeroom before class. So like, are you ready for the book report? And I'm like, oh my God, no, thanks. Oh no. So I picked a, I picked a book that wasn't finished that I started writing in a creative writing class and passed that thing off as the book that I had read and stood up and gave an oral oral report on this book that wasn't yet finished that I, I scribbled on index cards. And then thankfully I have a really, really good memory because I did it once the first time. And she goes, she goes, that wasn't bad. Would you, would you be willing to try it again without the note cards? And I was like, sure. I just went through it again and I got a B plus or something. And my, my friends were really upset because I didn't end up having to read a, a big book. And it, it was your book that you had read or that you had been writing? And I was starting to write and it was a really, really simple thing called uh, the Chris. This is so ludicrous. The Christmas tree by J.H. Montgomery. And Montgomery was the name of our cat, my, <laughs> my family cat. So I just made up this. I knew what the story, how the story started because I started to read it, but I just scribbled on the index cards real fast. How This is how I see this book unfolding. Yeah, and then my friend spent their Christmas reading an entire book and having to report on it and not getting as good a grade. So, okay, it was The Christmas Tree. What was the name of the author again? J.H. Montgomery. J.H. Montgomery. That's, that's too well done. Like, that sounds like an author. Yeah. Montgomery. I I don't even know where I came up with maybe T.S. Eliot. And I was like, oh, J.H. Montgomery. <laughs> yeah. High school hack right there. Right. Why read the book when you can report on your own? <laughs> when you can write it and make up on the spot. It kind of gives me an idea of a, a podcast, all, like book reviews, but none of the books exist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, well, that book sounds like it would be blah, blah, blah. Oh, that, that's a good one. I'm going to look that up on Amazon right now. Yep. Yeah, nope. Not nope. going to find that one. No affiliate links, man. Um, so yeah, I will definitely check out that app. You know, the last sort of question I have for you in, the, in this particular part was about the future. Like, do you do you, what kind of changes do you see happening, macro or micro, coming around the bend that 
you're excited about and you want to kind of tell us the future of what you're seeing, maybe changes in consumer behavior or the way marketing's going? Man, I will share with you some information that I just got from a guy named Philip Stutz. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. No, it's not another J.H. Uh, Montgomery, is this? No, no, no. That's <laughs> hilarious. J.H. Stutz. Um, no, real guy. He's been in political marketing. He's had a marketing agency for politicians um, since 2000, I think he said. Wow. And over the course of that time, he partnered with the largest data collection company in the country because obviously they want to see what trends are in consumer behavior. Totally. And then he had a guy come to him six years ago who owned a brick and mortar store, I don't know what kind, and said, hey, do you think you could apply those principles to my brick and mortar? So then he got fascinated with that. Anyway, man, they just downloaded and sorted through all the data from basically since the pandemic started through April of this year and put, I'll talk about this for a while because I think it's really interesting. Yeah. Um, he says right now, if you're listening, it's uh, May 2022. There's, he calls people, there's three buckets of consumers. There's the overwhelmed consumer. There is the activist consumer. And then there is the influenced consumer. The largest group is the overwhelmed. And their number one activity and behavior is what he uh, classified as escapism. Now, escapism could mean whatever it means for you as a person. So he's saying it's, yes, of course, the easy go-to is like, let me binge watch Netflix. So the escapism, they're overwhelmed by everything that's happening in the world right now because it's not real great. And so they will bury their head into some sort of activity or behavior. The top three activities are um, entertainment, booze. Interestingly, they're the highest uh, purchasers of booze. Um, entertainment, sports, and home improvement, interestingly. So it's just like they're going to take all the extra energy that they have and put it over there so that they don't have to think about the craziness in the world. Um, and it could be by yourself, with your spouse, with your family. doesn't matter. Sure. However you escape. Super interesting. Um, they also noticed for the first time in that they've been recording this data uh, that because of the economy right now, people are leaving. The brand loyalty is less and less, particularly particularly the more luxury brands. So the people that were shopping luxury brands are now leaving. Even if they've only ever purchased that before, they're leaving for less expensive um, versions of that. And how that translates, if you're like a coach or have like a digital marketing program, he said that um, what they're doing this is what I'm helping my clients with is it's not uh, now you're not a luxury brand per se, but you have to put out content that lets people know what's distinct about you. What's different about you. So his, his super simple example was I'm a marketer, but there aren't a lot of political marketers. So people just, their ears just perk up on that. Like I spent 20 years as a writer, producer, in Hollywood, storytellers. So like, that's super unique. I do marketing and ads and stuff like that. So people are like, oh, that's an interesting hook. Let me find out more about that guy. So, and it doesn't have to be as quote unquote, as exotic as being in Hollywood or in politics or whatever. It's just like, whatever your thing is, putting that at the forefront before you're even trying to sell anything. It's just like, hey, this is who I am. 
Um, another thing uh, for the for the activist consumer, the number one thing. Oh, let me talk about messaging for the overwhelmed consumer. Your messaging should all be about saving time. Hey, if you get this service or this product, it's going to save you time. The implication is, if they save time, they'll have more more time to escape. More time to escape. Yeah. More escape time. The activist consumer wants to make sure that your values align with their values. So it's not even about, um, I don't even know what I was going to say with that sentence. But, like the quality oh, of it, it's not even about the price or the quality or. Well, I was going to say it's less, uh, you're not even talking to them about sales or selling them anything. You're just saying, hey, this is what I stand for and why. And why I feel it's important that the people that I work with also stand for this. So it's about value alignment and calling out who you want to work with so they can identify themselves as wanting to work with you. Um, and then the third uh, bucket are influenced consumers who literally need to hear from other people that they like or aspire to be. So it's literally what you think of when influencer. So now it doesn't have to be the, you know, the quote unquote Instagram model, male or female, it just could be Brene Brown says this, this, and this, and I really like Brene Brown or whoever, you know, basketball player. Sure. So I just find all that messaging really interesting. So I'm working, one thing I'm working on with my clients um, on Facebook is, yeah, we're still running their campaigns where they're trying to get leads or sales, but we're doing campaigns above that where I'm having them do short 60 second videos, talking about their values, talking about what makes them distinct, talking about how what they can do saves time, talking about, um, you know, like I'm going to New Hampshire for a week. And so super interesting, it's subtle, but it makes sense. He was saying, you know, people, people like, Hey, I'm in New Hampshire with my family and like all these like, you know, curated good time photos. Yeah, People don't want to see that crap unless behind it is I'm taking a week off to recharge so that I can decompress. So when I come back to my clients, I can jump in and get the, hit the ground running and serve them at a higher level. So how all of that benefits their prospects or their clients. Um, otherwise there's, there's, there's just poser shots, right? Look at oh, this. Totally. Cool, look at this cool stuff I'm doing as opposed to I'm doing this for a reason and here's why. Right. Which I think is really cool. Okay, now, now whose report is this again? Because, you know, it's funny. I, on my notes, I, I wrote Philip Montgomery. <laughs> I want to say it's spelled S-T-U-T-T-S. Stutz or Stutz, I'm not sure. Okay. But if you Google him, uh, you can find this report. It's really fascinating. I mean, if you're a marketing nerd, it's fascinating. My wife would be bored to tears. But So this just kind of brings up the idea of, getting into the mind of the buyer deeper yeah. and deeper. I think sometimes we're so shallow with that, where we just are just blasting the same message, the same people, like they're all the same. And then we talk about all the what's and the why's from earlier. Yeah. It's just so one dimensional, you know, we're not. Well, I feel, feel like people go and I understand it, right? I want the hot leads. I want the people that are going to convert right now. I yeah. want the sales right now. Like, where are the sales? How long is it going to take me to get the sales? And it's like, yeah, of course you should try to focus on that and maximize that. But there's so much more outside of that that you could be doing that shows you as a real person, shows your values, show people how they 
how you care about them. Like that's, that's the intangible stuff that I would say is even like top more top of the funnel than just going for the kill right away. Right. Right. Totally, man. Dig this. Well, my next question, future neighbor is who <laughs> are you? Who are you? Take me back in time. Little Sterling days. Did you know you're going to be an entrepreneur, a marketer, geeking out on all this, you know, consumer information and on a podcast and all these. Tell me, what was it like growing up you? Man, I am the product of a psychologist and a minister. And then my dad later became a psychologist. So I was always surrounded by the psychology of things. So for two reasons, I was trying to figure out like, why am I, by the way, that'll really mess, mess a human up to be raised by those two types of folks. Um, so I had all, all kinds of weird <laughs> beliefs and stuff I had to unravel and I was into personal development at a very early age, not because I knew personal development was good for me, but just trying to unravel all these fixing weird... everything you picked yeah. up on the way. Yeah. yeah. Fix your belief systems and everything. Um, I was a math nerd. I remember being really, really good at math at an early age. My second grade teacher would put me in the hall with the workbooks from the higher levels and I'd finish them in hours and she'd be like, what's going on? Um, just numbers come really easy. And, uh, and then I was a sports nerd. So I just like sports and I was lucky. I didn't have to study that much and got decent grades. And then I went to college thinking I was going to go to business school at the university of Richmond, which has a really good business school, but we had to take accounting. And I thought I aced calculus four in high school. I'm going to ace, I'll ace accounting in day one. Yikes. I've never been more lost in any class in my life. <laughs> it was a calculus. I know. No, accounting. Class. Accounting, dude. Accounting has very little to do with numbers. It's all it's all kinds of theory and oh geez, that was just not grabbing. So I didn't go to business school. I ended up majoring in in economics outside business school, and speech communication and theater. And then I was doing a bunch of shows, and wow. uh, I went to L.A. as an actor. Quickly got into writing, directing, producing, and really, really thought. That was my life's calling. And I was there for 20 years, slinging it out. They were going to make a television show about my life. Like I've written a, a memoir that hadn't been published yet. Really? Um, yeah, man. And uh, that just, I was just felt like I was in a pressure cooker in LA all the time. Like my nervous system was so shot. I, was, I decided I wanted to leave there at the same time this book got bought. And I'm like, are you kidding me? So I hung out for a couple of years to see if this, my life would be a TV show. And every cliche in the world, you know, I was repped by the head of creative artist agency and going to all these parties. Like literally I thought my dreams were coming true. Wow. And the entire time it's happening, uh, I'm sitting across from people. I'm not even paying attention to what they're saying because the dialogue in my head is, Oh my God, I hate this so much. I don't even have words. Like it's one of those cliche movies where like everything happens and it's nothing that you wanted. Really? Like, yeah, man. How's, and, how, how so? Like how, how, how was it so good, but yet not? Well, I wanted it to be. Um, well, one thing is I'm, I'm with, I always thought I wanted to be amongst and associating with these people huge decision makers and heads of studios and all that. And I'm like, I don't really want to hang out with them as human beings. 
like the the prestige in, in my head, like I'll have made it, I'll have I'll be somebody if I'm like associating in this circle and I'm up there and I'm like, I can't even necessarily say that they were quote unquote bad people. They certainly weren't people that I could sit down in five minutes and like get to the deep stuff. I just want a guy or a woman and like, I just want to like, let's get into the the, the real stuff fast. I don't need the super. I don't, my patience for the superficial is very thin. Yeah. Um, I hear it's it's like a real thing. It's like thick out in LA and. Oh yeah. It's, it's, um, if you haven't experienced it, it's very hard to describe the level of agenda that everyone has 24 yeah. seven. So my conversation with you right now, if we were in the, in the entertainment business would be, yes, we're exchanging these pleasantries and this conversations, but I am, we are both simultaneously covertly trying to get the other person to share what they're working on. Not to say that I didn't, I wouldn't care completely, but in my back of my head, I'm going, well, I wonder if there's a way that I could work myself in here. And you're thinking, Uh I wonder if there's a way you could work yours. So you're constantly trying to elicit what people are doing. Hope they're telling you the truth. Cause I've gotten into a lot of situations and strung along by somebody saying, this is happening. This is happening. You can't check any of that stuff out. They're just bullshitting. And now you've wasted years with somebody who's just full of shit Uh, and it's exhausting it's exhausting and you don't even realize even if you're a good down the earth fairly grounded person you don't realize how much the environment affects you um and i didn't know i've considered myself to be really non-hollywoody even when i was there yeah when i finally got out like it just took some time to unwind. Like I would have these thoughts that were so not cool, like subtly materialistic. Oh my God, I can't believe this person's doing that or that. And I was, I literally had to say to myself, dude, that's 1000% not cool. I can't even believe you had that thought. It become, it become this weird knee jerk thought. And so I took, yeah. probably took me a year to like mentally detox from the ways of being and thinking in LA, even though I didn't consider myself to be that much. So that was just the epitome of it was going to all these um, meetings and parties. And I was also just burned out. I'd been there 20 years and I knew it was a long shot. Like stuff gets purchased. People don't know this, but like my book and the other, 10 other books are being purchased all the time. There's a huge volume of properties that get purchased where they say, we want to turn this into something. Mm-hmm. Getting there is a ma- massive accomplishment. However, the number of things out of that pile that don't get made are large. And then the number of things that get made but don't ever make it into the theater or on the television is even larger. So it's just like, it's, also, it's a long shot. And I knew it, but I, but I bided my time just in case it did happen. And then it didn't. And within, I think I drove home two weeks later and I Googled best places to live in the United States. Cause I'm like, I'm not staying here if this isn't happening. Um, and then, uh, I'd always had a, I always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I remember my best friend and I, we were 17. We went and bought cans of off the insect repellent. Yeah. And we lived out in Maryland and we drove to DC on the lawn where they do the fireworks every year. Yep. And we brought a little cardboard thing and said, we'll spray you with off for 25 cents. Oh, for 25 That's a deal, man. I'd give you a dollar and keep the change. 
kid. Yeah, but I think everyone was too. It's just a weird thing. So we just came back to the store. You know, we returned our eight cans of off because I think we sprayed down one person plus ourselves. They didn't want it. No, man. Um, wasn't buggy enough that night. I don't even remember if buggy it was night. Buggy. But like that, I always think of like, oh, I would do this differently. I wonder why they don't do that at this store or whatever. And then social media came, and I was a social media freak. I loved, you know, 12 years ago when Facebook was out or whatever. I was like, this is amazing. Of course, it's a whole different ball game now. Um, oh, but I just got consumed by social media. And when I left LA, um, and by the way, I also had a perverse uh, fascination. I remember being online and seeing my first ad come up and clicking on it, and literally my brain cells trying to make new connections like, Wait, you can buy stuff through the computer? This is what? <laughs> and it doesn't date you at all. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but just it's the fascination of like, oh, let me see what this is. This seems easy. La- insert evil laugh. <laughs> well, it kind of was at the beginning, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, click here. <laughs> yeah, click here, buy this. And then when I left LA, I was like, I want to do something completely different. Let me see how if I can figure out how to monetize social media. Then I learned Facebook ads, uh, applied for the certification program, and I was one of 30 people in the world at that point to get in. Crazy. I learned that and then naively had no idea how to price my services, so I was pricing on performance basis. Oh, wow. Which is cool, but you realize, hey, you could have really good ads, but somebody's funnel or sales process might be really jacked really up. jacked up, and that screws up everything. Yep. Well, that screws me up. So then I didn't set out. By default, I became a funnel and sales expert because I wanted to make I wanted to yeah. make the process profitable. Um, and then I just love it. To me, it's um, uh, people might not understand this, but I, I was really good in calculus because that's a, th- a three-dimensional, like you have to sort of figure things out in 3D. And I see marketing funnels in, in, in the exact same way. Like I just see this, like this plus this plus this divided by that equals that. And I love tweaking the numbers in between to try to get the maximum output. Yeah. So to me, it's, it, it was sort of a form of calculus. And uh, I still do some service-based stuff. And then I was like, wait a minute, I paid a lot of people over a million bucks. So let's put together your own thing and do the same. So I'm building out offers right now for myself. And Hell yeah. That's how I got here. Good stuff, man. What a cool journey. And you know, you're almost got the hooks in, you know, in LA and any, uh, any favorite show or project you were on that really stuck out? Um, the most fun thing and probably people will probably, uh, all understand this. The most th- fun thing that didn't even make it anywhere because it was, we were all very young starting out. We were doing a, my first feature film on a shoestring budget. We were sleeping on the floor together. Yeah. We were, we were being paid in hamburgers. Yeah. And everybody was still hungry and had the dream. And we were working 14, 16 hours a day, seven days a week just to get this thing done. Mm-hmm. That experience. And then we got into, um, slam dances runs at the same time as Sundance is kind of the alternative, okay, alternative version of Sundance because this film was it was a modern day black and white film noir. It was really cool, and then cool. going with the same group of guys, you know, don't even have two nickels to rub together, and 
sharing a room at slam dance and seeing your movie screened in front of strangers for the first time. It's just a really awesome experience. I'm still yeah. friends with all those guys. It's like, and you've been on a bunch of shows too, right? You've been, you've been on a, I'm walking dead. I just, yeah, I don't really pursue it anymore, but there's a little tiny agency here in Asheville and they'll call me on the occasion. Hey, this thing might be good for you. So I went and, uh, and then, um, walking, well, whatever the spin, I don't even watch the walking dead shows, but whatever the yeah, spin, was, I don't know. I'm a zombie guy. I'm like, you can outrun the zombie, man. This doesn't make any sense. Uh, it shot, it shot like four hours away in Richmond, Virginia. So I could just drive up there. Had a, I went to my alma mater, walked around campus. I hadn't been to in forever. Got to shoot. It was a blast and then come home. And like that, that for me was like a perfect little trip. I don't want to spend my time pursuing it. I just want something right. fun and easy like that. It's a wrap. Quick That's little wrap. in and out. Don't have to yeah. live in the, uh, the society. Well, the fun thing too is that anything that's, I shouldn't say anything. Most things to shoot out of outside of LA is such a more pleasant experience because when they hire all the locals, they're so grateful and fired up to be working on like a, a quote unquote real show. Right. So the energy is, is of gratitude and fun in LA. It is an unbearable grind. Mm. The same, Hey, let's, we're shooting this episode of the show. Um, it's just like you show up, rush, rush, rush. Nobody gives a shit who you are. Just do your job, blah, blah, blah. And you go home and it's like, I mean, you just kind of crap out a job, really. Mm -hmm. Oh, and it's also hierarchical. So where when you break for lunch, meals and stuff, the producers sit here, the extras are like in the corner. Nobody cares about them. The actors- <laughs> With bag lunches in the corner. Yeah. yeah. Like, just not even acknowledged, really. And then I went here and it was like, I was sitting next to the director on one side, the set, the art director here. And like, it was just, a, it was, it's way that's more cool. communal and family. And that's, it's just a refreshing vibe. Cool vibe, man. Well, I have a hypothetical question for you. Yeah. And you more than almost anyone else who's been on this show, uh, has more of a chance of making this not hypothetical. So wow. here it is. I may or may not have a time machine up here in Nashua, New Hampshire. It's in the backyard, covered in a tarp. So let's say you come over, you come visit, we get some beer, some lobster, whatever, and you get to use this time machine, right? Now, but it's a particular time machine because it takes you back in time to just a few days after that that undergrad degree, the theater and communications and you know all, all those things. You get to meet that version of you right before you've gone out to LA and, and done all the things couple days after graduation in case you're having a good time what kind of things do you tell yourself hmm um i'm gonna get real personal man yeah man don't be afraid of uh men that are older than you and find a mentor uh i was very scared of my dad he didn't quote unquote teach me much Gotcha. So I felt like I got shit out into the world with no real, real world skills at all. And I was terrified. So my school of hard knocks was very hard for very long. And part of it was because I was just, I just didn't trust anybody. And there were a lot of people that tried to reach out and take me under their wing. And I was just, um, 
So not everybody's the same. Don't be afraid to have a mentor. Um, God, that's a, that's the biggest thing. I just felt like I was thrown into the deep end of Los, An Los Angeles, which is not a place you want to be thrown into. No, nothing like, you know, idea of having a guide, you know, a Yoda, an yeah. one just to be able to anyway. tell you they've already done something. Maybe don't repeat every mistake, you know? Yes. Scratch. Um, wow. That's a, that's, that would have changed the course of my life for sure. Um, and then don't, huh, man, I'm circling back to that book question, but the book that really changed my life. Now I had to go through the LA experience to recognize this. Okay. And that is, um, I think, well, I'm going to speak for myself, but I feel like this applies to a lot of people. Uh, the thing that you think you are called to do may not be a calling. It may be a push from your ego. There's a huge difference between being pulled from something greater than you. It's very easy to confuse those two things. Um, I feel like I spent 20 years in that world of storytelling, story-making, acting, um, to quote unquote, try to be somebody to try to prove to other people that I could be somebody, which 100%. is a really, really strong, uh, it's a really rough road to go down. And so the book that changed everything for me, cause I had a massive identity meltdown when I left LA cause your entire life and everything that everybody uh everything that you're doing in la is basically what becomes your identity and what people associate you with gotcha you completely pull away from that i had i didn't know who i was i didn't know what i wanted to do there's a book uh i think his name is seth godin called um so good they can't ignore you which I had never heard the quote, but it's actually from my favorite comedian of all time, Steve Martin. When he was asked on an interview, if you could tell anything to a young aspiring comedian, what would it be? And he said, be so good, they can't ignore you. Yeah. First off, genius, genius quote, genius theory. But then the, the author of this book goes deep into how um, people say, follow your bliss, the money will come, follow your passion. And he's completely flips that on his head and says, pick something, get really good at it. When you get good at it, you're going to get confidence. When you get confidence, you want to, you're going to want to even be better at that thing. Mm. That confidence and that dopamine is way stronger than any quote unquote kind of passion that you think you could uh, put yourself into. Wow. And, and he says that passion will follow with the confidence. And that's exactly what freaking happened. I was like, I'm just going to go learn ads better than anybody that I know. And it turned into having this full agency and creating my own offers. And, and I, and I love it. <laughs> so it's like, Man. I didn't know seven years ago, I didn't know if this, I was going to be talking about this stuff. So Man. I love that. Cause they can't ignore you. It's so smart, right? And the so passion simple. will follow. Right from that expertise and that confidence you gave yeah. from knowing probably more than anyone else in the room about that particular thing. About like, hey, I know thing. this. Yeah. I know this really well. Yeah. Yeah. That's wow. Really cool. I have that book I have that book on my shelf and I just like all I have to think of is that's that one thing. 
because following my bliss, which I thought was, you know, acting, getting well known, it was less. I, I mean, I loved acting, but it was really, I mean, the end game was have people clap for you. Mm. It's like such a, it's coming from such a wounded place. And I'd say that, like, uh, I'll, I'll share this. I wish I could credit whoever thought of this, but it's so apropos um, that uh, there's a, a baby lion, excuse me, a mama lion who has four cubs. She licks the first one. They go off into the world. She licks the second one. They go off into the world. She licks the third one. They go off into the world. She dies, and the fourth cub moves to L.A., Wow. It's a really, really big city full of unlicked cubs trying to find their way through the world. Wow. So there's a lot of really, there's good people there for sure. So I'm not, you know, but it is a lot of wounded people rewounding each other intentionally and unintentionally. So it's a, it's a, it's an intense environment. Jesus. It's an intense environment. You know, and I was in the theater, but I, I wonder if <clears throat> I, I I got, I got licked a little, you know, and then there's just, but, but I, I could relate when, you know, that idea of the applause and this is other people telling me something. I, yeah. I want them to tell me that I'm enough or I'm, you know, I am good. Right. Worthy. And so yeah. worthy, right. Yeah. yeah worthy of love. Right. You, you yeah. want other people to be able to tell you that maybe then, than telling you yourself. And, but yeah, I could see that there's a whole, next level of like i'm gonna go to la because the amount that i need to hear the applause i need to hear i can't get in this local theater company i need to well and then also think about this that that incredible need to to feel worthy and then getting paid exorbitant amounts of money to get the external validation that you're worth like the the intertwining of the the money on top of that is like a whole nother level of screwing up your brain now, I also want to say that, like, there are tons of exceptions. Like, there are plenty of people that, like, want to be an actor and they got plenty of love growing up or they want to be this or that. Like, there, there are people that are genuinely there. I will just say that I think a majority of people move into that world uh, trying to heal some wound. So that's how, that's how people can get taken advantage of. How do you get taken advantage of like that? Well, because you didn't get anything that you needed at home. That's how. Right. It's not that people aren't stupid. They're just desperate. Right. Right. Stuff like that. So I got really very, very successful friends that you would know who are not broken human beings. They just got, they got really, really good at screenwriting or producing or directing. And even if you're, think about this, even if you're stable, grounded and good at what you do, there's a whole cast and crew of people that where the majority of them are broken. So it's just like, yeah. wow, it's really, really hard to navigate those ships out there. And you're all around each other, influencing each other. <laughs> yeah, man. You don't have a lot of people saying, no, 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 this is the, let's lift ourselves out of this. See, everyone's just sort of in it. Yeah. They don't know uh, they're in it. Nobody knows they're in it at the time. Well, very few people and everybody's just doing the best they can. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers, man. Well, hey, where can people connect with you? If they if they want to reach out, connect with you professionally, they want to work with your company, Stack Digital, where are the different you know social platforms, URLs, all that? Yep. Uh, my name's spelled 
funky. I assume it'll be in show notes or something somewhere. But oh yeah, S T I R L I N G. My last name is Gardner. G A R D N E R. I actually invite people to friend me on Facebook, follow me on Instagram, um, and then my agency website is Stacked, which is a funky spelling. S T A C K, the letter T, digital.com. And uh, you can contact me there if you want to con- speak directly. And then another, another, because we got kind of naturally went there, but maybe I'll come back on another time and I'll talk about um, one of my missions is now creating business and marketing coaching for people that struggle with overwhelm, anxiety, depression, and trauma. Because I feel like that's a very overlooked. You can go get help for that personally. Or you can go get business advice, but I don't think that intersection exists the way that I wanted to. Yeah. And like what this makes a lot of sense because I not to jump in here real quick, but go for it. It totally resonates because um, I think what even like going to like a Tony Robbins event, it was a business event. And even even still, it was like, look, we can teach you all the stuff about finance and marketing and and click through rates. But if if you don't necessarily address whatever things you got going on inside you you're going to lead your entire company in that direction potentially off a cliff so like you need to you need to manage the owner and the marketer you need to really think about yourself not just your campaign yeah man i want people to say and i'm creating the space because i need the space yeah i want i want people to have a safe place to come and not only ask business and marketing questions but to say man I had to shut my computer for the last two days because I got triggered. I don't even know what triggered me. I went into a depression. I figured it out. I processed and now I'm back and I lost two days of work and not have that shame and guilt because everybody has a real bad day. Sometimes you have a bad week or whatever it is and have to have open dialogue and discourse around that and people to go, I feel you, man. I feel you. Yeah, that'd be great. Can I help? What can I do to help you get back on track or whatever the case might be? And having programs that aren't so crazy time sensitive, because I think a lot of people, it's such a hustle mentality. And let's get this thing launched in two weeks. And you're like, all right, it sounds good. But the pressure, it's just, you're going to implode at some point. And you need to be able to talk freely about that. And that's, that's the kind of thing that I'm trying to set up right now, too. Love that idea, man. And I once had a coach where I would routinely go off the rails or something and we'd meet every Monday and it's like, well, you could have been off the rails for three weeks, but instead we're going to reset today. And so we just, we just shortened the amount of time in between going off the rails and resetting. Okay. Let's get back after it. All right. Yeah. I was off my plan last week, but now I'm back, you know, it just needs to be normalized and accepted that you can go off the rails. I feel like people yeah. don't allow themselves or criticize themselves so much for going off the rails. And it's like, dude, we're human beings here. Right. Everybody's a human being trying to make a business grow their business. Like, let's be human beings together first, and then we'll grow our businesses collectively. Yeah. What's that phrase where, like, if if we talk to somebody else the way we talk to ourselves, you know, uh, we get punched in the face. Oh God. <laughs> I think about that a lot. I'm like, I would never say that, ever say that to any human being that I know. The harshness that comes through your mouth. You're like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. We're we're human, right? Yeah. Yeah. Marketers, business owners. 
Humans, papers, man. Executives, humans, humans. The business can go away. Your humanness can never go away. That's right. That's right. So let's deal with both. Love that. Well, we're going to link to everything and all the things. All right, brother. Show notes. And I just want to thank you for coming on here and just sharing like wisdom, like actually real solid wisdom um, that we can build the tech on. We can build the campaigns on. But that core knowledge, um, almost really first principles, almost just just that knowledge that really is the foundation for all the learning you can add on top. I really just appreciate you coming on here, dude. I really enjoyed it. I did too. I appreciate you having me, man. Well, for those people listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did because I literally have two pages of notes over here. I run out of space. I'm in the margins. Uh, then share this episode with someone else. That's how you're a thought leader. Share with one person, nine people, 3,004. Share with everybody. And um, whoever needs, somebody might need to hear this um, this particular episode. And reach out to Sterling and, and hit him up and his programs. And with that, dude, I again, thank you so much for being on here. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. It's been another exciting episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time.